It's Jim, it's the World of Bonds. It's Wednesday, 12th of July, 2023. This is for professional investors only, never ever investment advice. We've had a stronger couple of days for government bonds after the significant weakness we've seen of late, especially last week. And the other big thing to mention really in bond markets is the stability and the stabilisation of credit spreads that we've seen in weaker days, despite last week's wobble over the UK's water sector. Things have uh, gone back to the tights of the year um, and um, everything is okay again. I mean, credit markets have had a lot thrown at them this year. If we just go back and think about some of the stresses that um, credit has come under this year and yet appears to be extremely resilient, it's pretty remarkable. So remember around the time of Silicon Valley Bank and the US regional banking sector problems, we saw the second, third and fourth biggest banking failures in US history. And yet um, we've moved on from that. In Europe, there are some well-publicized problems in the European CRE, that's the commercial real estate sector, whether that's SVB in Sweden or uh, a number of the REITs, those real estate investment trusts all across Europe got into difficulty this year. We've seen the default of one of the world's biggest and um, most prestigious investment banks, Credit Suisse, which got um, acquired in the end by UBS. And as I mentioned earlier, most recently, we saw those Thames water issues in the UK uh, with expectations that it might have to restructure. In the end, it got a capital injection and uh, the markets moved on again and things remain rock solid overall. What else has been going on uh, in the last few days? Well, the other big market development this week concerns the Japanese yen, which, uh, as you know, has come under a lot of pressure um, so far in 2023, especially in the past couple of months. Um, It got out to about 145 versus the US dollar, a level where people were kind of looking for intervention from the Bank of Japan. Um, a speculation was growing around that. In the end, though, it wasn't really about speculation of intervention that has led to the rally that we're seeing now in the Japanese yen. It's speculation about modifications or removal of yield curve control. We've covered this in previous episodes. Um, I think it is something we're we're likely to see this year, um, as long as everything else remains unchanged in global markets, which I don't think you can count on. But nevertheless, if things continue um, in the way they're going globally, then um, it's probably that removal of yield curve control that will drive the yen better, because that speculation that that's going to happen is based on both stronger inflation and positive growth surprises in Japan. So it's based on successful stuff effectively from the Bank of Japan's point of view in terms of um, them achieving some objectives after decades, frankly, of stagnation and zero growth and zero inflation. So at long last for Japan, I think. Today, my focus on the podcast is going to be on the Bank of England's financial stability report, which came out this morning. Now, of course, usually it's the Monetary Policy Committee and the inflation report that gets all the attention. Uh, But it feels like the Financial Policy Committee, um, one of the other arms of the Bank of England's responsibilities, is going to be an increasingly important uh, bit of what the Bank of England does for the UK as we grapple with the impact of hundreds of basis points of rate hikes on consumers, businesses and on the financial sector and that's what the the Financial uh, Policy Committee is looking at, what what 
are we robust? Are we likely to see something like the global financial crisis again or a housing market collapse? What does that mean for banks? What does it mean for individuals and businesses too? So I'm going to talk you through a couple of the the key points from that report. They do, of course, start it by declaring that the UK banking system is resilient, um, but again, acknowledge that lags of monetary policy are to some extent uncertain. I think especially this time round in financial markets, um, that's all we're thinking about really. Why, Why is monetary policy not working as aggressively as we thought it might at this stage of the rate hiking cycle? 500 basis points of rate hikes. The economy in many areas of the world, the US in particular, still seems extremely robust. So what is it we're not getting about lags? And you know, if you're looking at both financial stability or inflation and you're trying to manage that, what are you going to get wrong as a result of misunderstanding these lags? So let's think about those headlines from the financial policy report, uh, financial stability report rather. Firstly, households are indeed indebted, as we know, with um, high debt service ratios, um, and that's going to rise throughout the rest of this year. But still, that's not as bad as they were in 2007, which was their peak. So the bank thinks there's going to be some kind of um, way that the impact of higher mortgage rates isn't going to be as bad as it could be. And one of the main mechanisms it talks about here is putting some pressure on the banking sector really around forbearance. And I think the government's also putting pressure on the banking sector around forbearance, both through words and also through policy. So um, the, the, the report talks about both regulation the need for grace periods uh, as well around uh, repossessions in particular. So after tax, household debt servicing ratios will rise from 6.2% of post-tax income to about 8% over the next three years. Remember 2007 though, this was up at 10%. So, you know, lower even at the peak of their expectations this time than it was um, back in 2007. Do, of course, point to how much those mortgage rates will be rising for people. 4.5 million UK households have already seen a rise in their mortgage rate. 4 million more over the next year, effectively, as a result of refixing of mortgages. And so, on average, that's going to be £220 a month extra that people are going to have to pay with a significant cohort up at more like £500 a month. They also talked, and we mentioned this in last week's podcasts, around rents and how people like Hugh Pill, the Bank of England's chief economist, is now talking about rents as something that could be an important part of the transmission mechanism, having been something the Bank of England has never really considered historically. This is down to the fact that buy-to-let is now 7% of the UK housing market in terms of mortgages. It's 18% of the mortgage market overall. Um, Half of the people in the UK effectively don't have a mortgage on their property. So there is more renting going on where there's no need for a mortgage. But those mortgaged rental properties um, who are going to have to put their rents up, that will have a transmission mechanism into the rest as, as well. So that's something to, to, to bear in mind that we are going to see um, stress in that sector in particular, perhaps where buy-to-let mortgage rates are higher 
than elsewhere in the sector and that will have an, a second transmission mechanism through rents, um, especially for younger people and lower income households that could be quite damaging. Let's zoom back out though to the macro level. The UK banks are all okay on their stress tests overall. Um, the report talks about net interest margins. That's the kind of bull case for equity investors in banks at the moment. So we are seeing a rise in profitability. So in the last quarter, profits were up 21% for the UK banking sector as savings rates stay relatively low, but mortgage rates uh, have gone up. So, you know, that wedge between uh, that, that's what always happens in a rising rate environment. You see lending rates up, savings rates go up a bit, but not quite as much. And I guess that is um, a further drag to some extent on, um, on consumption because for those people that don't have mortgages, they're not seeing their savings rates go up by enough to compensate for inflation. So, um, yeah, but, but, but still a positive tailwind effectively for uh, richer people with savings rather than mortgages. Where do they see vulnerability in the global financial sector and in the UK in particular? Well, strangely and uh, well, interestingly, they point to three areas and this comes in the wake, I guess, of the LDI crisis under Trustonomics, August, September 2022. So this time they're pointing to pension funds, insurers and hedge funds as having some vulnerabilities. And they point to, in particular, the US Treasury bond market and futures exposure that those three pension funds, insurers and hedge funds, institutional um, areas of the market have exposure to. And I think they've got lots of US Treasury futures. They don't talk about whether that's long or short, really, but they do talk about them having US Treasury bond futures on against other assets. So as hedges effectively against other bonds, corporate bonds, for instance, swaps and so forth. I think the implication is that people have got lots of futures on their hedging, long exposures to other credit assets and assets with higher yields. And if you were to see Treasury bonds rally and credit spreads widen, then you're going to see uh, big losses for hedge funds, etc. have got that kind of spread trade on using Treasury futures. I think that's what they're trying to get at there. But a lot of people have got some carry trades on um, for credit effectively on against short positions in US Treasury bonds. And if we see a rally in Treasury bonds, then that's going to be bad news uh, for those institutions. Not entirely sure that's what they're getting at, but that's my, my reading of it. That's it from the financial stability report. Just to say today is uh, the big day for US inflation. It's a CPI day in the States. Unlike UK inflation, US inflation has been falling steadily. It's now about 4%. Uh, remember, on the same basis as European inflation, as we've talked about before, that's a, a measly 2.7%. So heading back down to target. And if you look at inflation expectations in the US, they are pretty much back at target. So five-year break-even inflation rates in the States are at 2.2%. So um, it, it's all going in the right direction. And the market does expect a further fall in US inflation today, maybe down to as low as 3% year on year. I would say the thing that people are also looking at, though, is the core inflation rate, which isn't quite as well behaved as those headline rates, which are impacted by falling energy prices in particular. So uh, you know, look out for the core rate in, in, um, as 
the real thing that markets are going to move on today. And if that comes in above expectations, bonds will have a, a bad day. Below expectations, a good day. So ignore the headlines to some extent, but it is going in the right direction for the Fed. Have good weeks. Bye.